0: Hello and welcome to Grace Life, Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. It's an honor to stand here today, and I like to. Say what J.B. just said about Psalm 139, it actually goes along with the message. Because my message is going to touch upon the fact that we have the potential to rise above. Amen? Notice I said potential. There's something we must do. It's not automatic, right? But so, I would like to first of all ask, If you know that you have received the Lord and are born again, would you please raise your hand? If you know for a fact that you are born again, it seems to me that not every hand has been raised. So now I would like to share, if you would like to receive the Lord, at a point in our lesson, I will stop and I will give that opportunity. And I hope that the word that I share this morning will open your eyes and persuade you of the desperate need we each have for Jesus in our lives. He's not a religion, he's not like what JB was saying. Is it working? Yay! He's not a statue. He can hear, he can see, he knows the heart, he can save, he can deliver, he can heal. There is nothing, in fact, that he cannot do. But we, in and of ourselves, cannot do those things, so we need him. Amen? Now, today's word is basically centered on 1 Corinthians 1, 40, or 24. 24. 1 Corinthians 1, 24. And it says, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So we see there are two aspects of the Christian life there's the power of God and the wisdom of God. Amen? Amen. Now, so where do we find the wisdom of God? Well, in the verse we just read, it said that Christ is the wisdom of God and in John 1 14 14, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth it says the word became flesh jesus is the word right jesus is our wisdom Jesus was made unto us wisdom. Another reason we need him. Amen? Therefore, we can conclude that we find the wisdom of God in the Word of God. The Word is God. God is the Word. Amen? So if we neglect this, we are neglecting the source of all power, all potential to overcome and rule and reign victoriously. Amen? And that's not all. There's love, there's joy, there's peace. There's so much more to it. But time is going to fail me to cover it all this morning. So let me carry on. So now, John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. As I already said, God is the Word, the Word is God. Amen? So... Second Timothy 3.15 says, And that from a childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Now, in the Scripture that we started out with, we need the wisdom of God, right? The, the power of God and the wisdom of God. But it's not automatic. Even though we may be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not automatic we have a part to play. And so we find the wisdom in the Word of God. That's another reason we need the Word of God. Amen? Even Jesus, born perfect, born sinless, it says in Luke 2.52 that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So if he who was born sinless, the perfect man, need to increase in wisdom, how much more we need to also increase in wisdom. And where do we find it? In the Word of God. We need the Word of God in our lives. Amen? Amen. Now if I go around with this Bible under my arms, I have it right here. Does that mean that I have all the wisdom? It needs to get inside of me. Amen. It needs to get in my heart and in my mind. So, so now, so how do we activate the promises of God? How do we activate that wisdom, that power in our lives? John ten twenty nine says, Jesus said, John ten twenty nine, I am. That Of course, we know the first step is you must be born again. First step, you must be born again. We must be in Christ who is the wisdom and redemption and salvation and all that. You must be born again. So in John ten nine, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So here Jesus referred to himself as a door. A door is an opening that allows us to move from one environment into another, right? It's like a limited entrance point. We've got to align ourselves with the opening in order to get through, to get from one place to the other. I cannot just, if I just say, I'm going to come in here into Emily School, i got to open my eyes, i got to see where is the door. If I just say, this is the school, boom, I can run my head right into a wall and not get in. Amen? I have to align myself. And it's a narrow opening compared to the walls. It's a very narrow opening, but I have got to align myself with it in order to get in. Right? So sadly... So in other words, I can't just be all over the place. But sadly, many Christians have run their heads up against the wall. And they wonder, does God not care? Let me tell you, he does, right? But now, to go deeper with the Lord, we need to align ourselves all the time. He said, I am the way. Not just the door, but he's also the way. That means there's further to go in that narrow opening. A way is also limited. It has edges on both sides, right? So we have to not only get through the door, we also have to walk down the way, right? So God definitely does care so much that he set an open door before us to enter into his kingdom, and he showed us the way to lay hold on all of his promises. So... Now, since Jesus is not a physical door, what is it that we must align ourselves with? When God created all things, he also set laws in motion to control things. So there are physical laws that control this world, and there are spiritual laws that control the kingdom of God. Right. So what is it that we align ourselves with? We align ourselves with those laws. In other words, we learn to cooperate with the laws that rule and control. Amen? So one such law of the kingdom is, we saw that, we see that, it's the law of confession. Like in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth, that's one of the criteria, right? Confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Without believing and confessing, we would not be able to enter. That is one of the first things we must align ourselves with. We must believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. Amen? Amen. So... But when we cooperated with this law, what happened? Colossians 1.13 says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. So by going through Jesus the door, we were translated from one realm into another, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear Son. Amen? Amen? So but we had to comply with the limitations that the door Jesus put forth. Believe and confess. We had to comply with that. That was a narrow thing. You have to believe Jesus and confess Jesus. But that was the only way to get in. If you want to get in here, you can only get in through the door. Because unless the windows but the windows have bias, you've got to go through the door, just to get my point. Amen. Yeah. So So now it says It says in Matthew 7:13 and 14 enter in by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction if I try to enter in I'm beating my head against the wall and I might just destroy myself it's not God destroying me, I destroy myself. Amen. It's a narrow. you've got to align yourself with the opening. So he said, few there be that go uh, narrow is the way. Broad is the gate and the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it, independent, want to do what I want to do. why should I? Amen? So, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few that find it difficult. Why is it difficult? Because you have to humble yourself. Mm. You have to lay aside your own opinion. Mm. In fact, you have to let go of your independence and realize it's not all up to you and what you feel like. There is some self-discipline in the picture. but. The price, what you gain, is amazing. Amen? So to get through the door, we had to comply with the terms and conditions. This was, now we, have, we saw the law of confession, right? So confession means that we had to speak forth what we believe. And did you know that that law rules and reigns in the kingdom of God. Once we are through the door to lay hold on all the other things, we still have to confess what we believe. For example, the promises of healing. If I go around and say, I'm sick, I'm really sick, I'm really not well, that, you know, that is what I will experience. But if I stand on the promises of God and say, regardless of circumstances, truth, it's going to triumph my circumstances. Amen. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. And I am just waiting on the manifestation in my body. But I have it. Why? Because he said so. And he's not a man that he can lie. Amen? Amen. So confession, the law of confession is something we need to cooperate with in our all of our Christian lives. Amen? We don't say what we have. We say what we want, according to the Word of God. If we state what we have, and if what we have is defeat and poverty and sickness, we reinforce it, and we'll continue to have it. We need to learn the power of the law of confession when mixed with faith in the Word of God. Amen? So James 1, no, sorry, James 3 1 through 3 says, Brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, it doesn't say indeed, it says, if anyone does not stumble in word, in what? In word. In word. So, in other words, what we say matters. Mm. What we say matters. He is a perfect man, or we could say a mature man, able also to bridle the whole body. Remember now that we are a three-part being, right? Spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit is perfect. Wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. Our body is just what is housing us while we are on earth. But our soul is like our decision center, where we make decisions. And we were born sinners, we were raised in this world, learning to comply with the the way the world operates. But now, the kingdom of God is different. We have to learn new ways. And we have to take control, we have to discipline the flesh in order to comply. For example, to get through that door, I had to say no to my pride. No, you can't do it all yourself. No, you're not going to have your own way in everything. You humble yourself. You confess your need for Christ. And for me, I was a hippie. I was on drugs when someone first met me and presented that to me, and I was like, no, no I can't, no I won't. That was my pride, my independence, I can do it myself. When I was 16, my mother died, from 14, I, was, I didn't have my dad, but from the age of 14, she was in hospital, so I learned to be very independent. And when it came to this, I was like, no I won't, and no I can't. But they told me, if what is written in this book is true, and you confess Christ, you gain everything. You gain life itself. But if it's not true, what did you lose? What did you lose if it's not true? So I said, well, that made sense to me. So I said, Jesus, if you are real, let me tell you, he's real. Amen? Amen. But I had to humble, I had to say no to my pride, no to my independence. Amen. I and that was hard on my flesh. It was hard on my flesh. So that's why it says that the narrow the way may be difficult, but was it worth it? I might not even be alive today if I had continued on in drugs. Amen? But here I am. I'm free and living a life worth living. Happy. Amen? Amen. So, but I had to discipline myself. And Romans seven eighteen to nineteen says, the Apostle Paul said, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I do which I would not, that I do. That is why we need self-discipline. We cannot just live our life according to impulses and what we feel like. Amen? We need guidance. We need self-discipline. We must discipline the flesh to obey our spirit, our spirit man who directs us to live according to the laws and principles of God. You are one-third Holy Ghost power. And the spirit wants to dominate, lead you in the path of life, in the path of victory, in the path of fulfillment, in the path of love and joy and peace and all the goodness of God, right? So I have to discipline the flesh. And I have to do what I know I ought to do, whether I feel like it or not. That's not easy. That's why it says that narrow way is difficult. Because it's not the... Yeah, sometimes that's not easy, but it's necessary. Amen? Amen? So now I said that to live according to the laws and principles. Do you know the difference between laws and principles? Uh, this is just. I just want to say, so a law is a rule with the authority of government behind it. It carries clear consequences for those who violate it. Right. But now in the kingdom of God, Isaiah 9, 6 says that the government is upon Jesus' shoulders. Right, But as that's like the physical spirit, sorry, there's the parallel between the physical and the spiritual, right? But if we violate the laws, whether they be according to the world or even the kingdom, there will be consequences. But what is a, a principle? A principle is a belief that guides behavior, but has only moral authority behind it. All right, so that's now the difference between laws and principles. But now we're going to read on in James 3. We're going to read verses 3 through 6. 3 through 6. Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small water wherever the pilot desires. So like you and I, we are supposed to steer our lives and not just let them be touched about by the winds or every doctrine that comes our way. And how do we steer our lives? Let's read on. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a, is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. Our tongues can cause a lot of damage if not reined in. Gossip, lies, slander, doubt, defeat, curses etc. All come out of the heart, and when it comes out of our mouth, we are establishing it. Do you remember the parable of the sower in Mark four? The seed was the word of God. Every word you speak is a seed planted. And every seed planted will bring forth a harvest according to its kind. That's the law in Genesis. Every seed will bring forth according to its kind. So if you want good, you have to speak it forth. That's how you plant it. And that's how you get a future future harvest of that. Amen? Mm -hmm. So what you say does matter. In fact, it matters a lot. Amen? Amen. That is what we call the law of confession, which was established by God and mentioned in Genesis chapter 1. We see that God commanded every seed, whether it be good or bad seed, to bring forth, of course, when God created, there were only good seeds. Amen? But to bring forth after its kind. Okay, I just already said that. So if we want to be successful in life, we have got to learn to tame our tongues, and that might be difficult. Amen? By being more dominated by the Holy Spirit than we are by the flesh and our impulses. So James 3, we are carrying on in James 3, verses 7 and 8. It says, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil Full of deadly poison, what does that mean? No man. but this is now another reason we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if we yield ourselves, the Holy Spirit can help us tame our tongues. Amen. Amen. but I want to also read matthew twelve thirty four matthew twelve thirty four Jesus said, brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So unless our hearts are filled with the word of God, it will be near impossible to sow good seeds. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And don't be fooled. God's laws work. Whether we believe in those laws or not, they work. Amen? So it will bring forth what comes out of your mouth, for better or for worse, will bring forth a harvest. Amen? So what are we filling our hearts with? Here now, we do have choices. What are we filling our hearts with? Do we spend our day gossiping, murmuring, complaining? Or are we spending our time sitting at the feet of Jesus as much as possible and hearing truth and storing that truth in our hearts. Amen? Amen. In the book of Acts, we see that in Acts 6, the word increased. In Acts 12, the word grew and multiplied. So one thing, it increased, then it multiplied. And in Acts 19, it says the word prevailed. So over time, the word increased, grew and multiplied, and eventually prevailed. That is what needs to take place in our lives. We need to get to where the Word of God prevails in our lives. And what does that mean, that the word prevails? So, the online uh, dictionary gives us two interpretations, uh, uh, meanings. To prevail means to prove more powerful or superior. That's the one uh, definition. And the other is to persuade someone to do something. So in other words, superior. We need to get to where when we are faced with challenges, our default setting will be to look to the Word of God. To look to the wisdom of God for guidance. Our first thought should be, what does the Word say? Amen? And to persuade... We need to get to where we are so fully persuaded by the truth of the word that we obey it. If you're fully persuaded, you will obey it. For example, forgiveness. That's one of those difficult things. You feel hurt. You feel wronged. And now God wants you to forgive. It's the other person that should forgive. Right? But yet, He expects you not to take offense. He warns of the dangers of taking offense. For example, in my own natural strength, which is now another reason I need Jesus, it's impossible because it's just not right. It violates my sense of right and wrong, right? But with the love of God, with the love of his spirit, with his power, I can forgive. And when I truly forgive, I gain a lot. I gain a lot. But you see now how in the world they need to pay. We need to take vengeance. In the kingdom of God, you forgive. You turn the other cheek. That's not something you do in the own human strength. That, why, that is another reason we need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to be able to rise above, to live the supernatural lives that he wants for us where every harvest that comes in is a good harvest. Amen? Amen. So, So now uh, we'll talk about what happened once we made the confession of faith and received Jesus as our Lord. We saw in Colossians 1.13 that we were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear Son. What does it mean that we were translated? It says that we have been physically changed by God from being a mortal being to to becoming an immortal being. You know, mortal means like of the flesh dying and decaying. Immortal means no decay, no death, right? So we were translated from mortal beings into immortal beings. That's quite a change. Have you ever seen the little transformer toys? You know, it can change from a car to a plane or from whatever to whatever, right? So a car, for example, or it it can change from a car to a plane. A car is earthbound for the plane is heaven-bound. Amen? And that's what happened to us. Romans 8, 2 says, says it like this, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Here we see laws again. Law of the Spirit of life, law of sin and death. Laws that who put in place? God. And we can believe in them or not, we can cooperate with them or not, regardless, they work. They work whether we believe them or not. They work whether we cooperate or not. Amen? Amen. So, we have been set free from the law of sin and death. So, in other, one other definition of the word law is something regarded as having a binding force or effect. Binding. Force or effect the law. The laws, God, the laws of God have a binding force or effect. And as I said, work whether we believe them or not. Amen. They just work. But now please bear in mind God's laws, that God is love. Amen. His motivating His mo- the motivation behind what he did was love. Unselfish laying down your life kind of love. Amen? Both the natural and spiritual worlds are ruled by laws. That is why God is not mysterious and his ways are not past finding out. In Malachi 3.6 he said, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you and I, therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. The same with us. Therefore, we are not consumed, because he's a good God. He's a loving God. Amen. He's our Father. The laws work, whether we believe them or not. But it's our choice. So it's our choice. Do we want to cooperate, or do we not want to cooperate? Do we want to go through the door and down that way, or do we want to stay out there? It's up to us. We have the choice. So the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is like the law of gravity. Remember I said before, there are parallels in the natural, the physical, to the spiritual, the supernatural. Amen? So the law is like the law of gravity. It keeps us earthbound, and there's no way to get out from under its influence. No matter where in the world you go, or I go, the law of gravity works. I can decide to go to the exact opposite side of the world, but still, the law of gravity works. There is no way that I can get out from under the influence of the law of gravity. So I might as well better learn to cooperate with it so that I can use it for my benefit rather than my detriment. Amen? So, just as the law of sin and death, sorry, but Romans 8-2 tells us there is a law that supersedes the law of sin and death, and that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So the law of the spirit of life is a law that supersedes the law of sin and death. And the same in the natural. There is a law that supersedes the law of gravity. It is the law of aerodynamics, and it is the discovery of that law that allows planes that weigh tons to fly overhead and not be pulled down by gravity. I mean, according to the law of gravity, they should plummet to the ground and be smashed, right? But they don't, because there is a law that supersedes the law of gravity. And here we see that there is a law that supersedes the law of sin and death, and it is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So there are forces that act, that acted, there are forces acting on the aircraft that have to be taken into consideration by the pilot who wants to fly. So there's thrust, draft, drag, thrust, drag, lift, weight, etc. I don't even know the half of it. Amen? But for example, thrust. Thrust is the forward force produced by the propeller or rotor, the power plant, right? You know, whenever, I don't know if you've all flown, but we've all, we all know that for a plane to take off, it has a long runway, and it has to go faster and faster and faster and faster and just spend a lot of energy just running on the ground. It's still on the ground, but it spends all that energy. Why? Why? It's waiting for the lift. Amen? So like our faith is like that thrust. The plane gets thrust forward. And our faith is what thrusts us forward. And that pilot, unless he had expectation, unless he expected the lift, he would not do it. Why? But the same with us. Our faith thrusts us forward. We seem still heaven-bound. I mean earthbound. earthbound. But we keep on keeping on. We keep going. Why? Because we expect a lift. Amen? But those who get weary, who get halfway down the runway and turn around and say, what's the use? I've spent all this energy and I'm still just as earthbound as I was back then. They'll never, never rise above. Amen? So, There's also the drag. Drag is another force that works on that aircraft wanting to fly, right? And that is obvious, like what is it that drags us down? Our doubts, unbelief, ungodly influences, all of that drags us down. Like a plane, anything protruding from the plane, anything like that, it will drag the plane down. But so, then also we have um, we have lift. In brief, lift opposes the downward force of weight. I said also there was weight, right? So in other words, lift overcomes by the force of faith, by the that propeller, propelling being propelled forward and the wind getting under the wings of the plane. It can overcome the drag and the weight and lift up into the sky. Mm. And that's the same with you and I. If we can overcome the drag, if we can overcome the weight, if we will keep on thrusting forward in faith, we too will rise above, Mm. and we will fly, and we will begin to live in the supernatural as opposed to the natural. Mm. But it's up to us. And is it worth it? Are we willing to give it our all to get there? It's not automatic. Just, okay, let me just carry on with my notes. So in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, "Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. If we keep thinking about sin, talking about sin, doing it, doing the sin, then we have not laid that weight aside. And that weight will pull us down, it will drag us down. Amen? You are no longer a sinner. Don't refer to yourself, we were, we were sinners. But when we got born again, we were made the righteousness of God. And now we have got to focus on who we are. And lay all of that, all those weights, lay them aside. Lay them aside. Forget it. It's behind us. That's what, the, that was the past. Right now, we are getting ready to fly. Amen? You want to take off? Amen. 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 But with enough thrust of faith, which is built up, the plane builds it up on that long runway, right? We will there will be a lift. It is a law. It is a law. There is the law of lift. It will happen if we meet all the criteria, if we overcome the hindrances, if we do what needs to be done, there will be a lift. Amen? So a law has binding effect. That means it doesn't work now. It doesn't work today and then tomorrow it doesn't work. No, it's finding it works all the time. Since the beginning of time, the law of gravity has been in effect and has worked. Amen? So now let's try to picture our salvation like boarding a plane. Not just boarding any plane, but one that's been given to us. With the ability, in other words, we've now been given the ability to rise above. So, however, there is one catch. We ourselves have to fly the plane. No one else can take the pilot seat for us. We alone have been given access to the controls of our plane. So, but we have an enemy who diligently seeks to sneak in and take over the controls. If we don't take a hold of the control. We have an enemy. He wants to come in to steal. He wants to hijack that plane. And his intent is not that we rise above. His intent is to crash the plane and burn it up. Amen? He, If we don't take our rightful place at the controls, he will take it. And he will hijack us, crash, and burn. Amen? So we are not just playing games coming to church. We are learning to live. We are learning to survive. And not just barely survive, but in style. Have you ever seen these amazing flight shows where they can even spin and they do different colored uh, exhaust colors? Red, blue, green, yellow. They they fly in unison. They do amazing stunts. You and I have been given the potential for that. Have you heard of these amazing faith preachers where people get healed of, I mean, out of wheelchairs, deaf ears open, blind eyes healed, the lame walk, amazing. They're like those. They kept on keeping on, and they reaped their harvest. Amen? You and I have been given our plane. Now all we need to do is learn to fly it. Amen? It's up to us. It's up to us. So, for example, remember we were earthbound all along until we were translated from one realm into another. We might say that perhaps we have been driving a car, but we have never sat in the cockpit of a plane. Who here has ever sat at the controls in the cockpit of a plane? I have never done so. If tomorrow you were to place me there and tell me, now you fly, I would be question mark upon question mark upon question mark, mm-hmm. amen? Mm-hmm. But you and I, we have been given the controls of our own plane. Mm-hmm. So, every everything is new, and we have to learn from scratch. The things we learned before, for example, like driving a car, will not do. We need to get back in the learner's seat if we want to take full advantage of this amazing gift. It will not come naturally. It is an acquired skill. But thankfully, we have not been left to figure it out by ourselves. We have been given a flight manual called the Bible, the Word of God. This is our instructions manual. Amen? And we have also been given a co-pilot. This is the Holy Spirit. But now the Holy Spirit is not allowed to take over for us. He is there to help us, guide us, bring things back to our remembrance, show us how to, but He's not allowed to take the seat at the controls. He's only a co-pilot. You and I are the co- are the pilots of our planes. And it's up to us whether we want to apply ourselves and learn to fly and rise above or whether we are content to remain earthbound. Nobody's going to make us. It's our choice. We've been given free choice. Amen? So 2 Timothy 2.15 says... Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So now, we are instructed that we need to study. We were never told this will be automatic. We were told you need to study, you need to apply yourself, you need to learn, right? So this alone, the word alone, is not enough. We have to study it and gain knowledge and the wisdom, yes, But then we need, like an apprentice at a job, we need to also start practicing what we've learned. And there is where the Holy Spirit plays a vital role. He is our on-the-job teacher. Amen? I can learn, I can study all about how to use the controls. But if I never touch the controls, if I never begin to do anything with the controls, I'm going to sit earthbound. John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you. He is like the teacher with the apprentice. He teaches you on the job. Amen? And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. But, he says, he brings all things to your remembrance, but, I'll be wrong up. If you did not put anything in there, there's nothing to bring to your remembrance. It's your responsibility to put something in here, some knowledge, so that there's something to bring to your remembrance. So it will comfort us to have. But we need to learn to listen and be sensitive, obedient to the co-pilot, to our teacher. Amen? Amen. So, when we actually begin to do the word, that's when the power begins to manifest and we begin to take off. What's the time then? And what time am I supposed to stop? Okay. For our takeoff and flight to be successful, we need to be in constant communication with the, our co pilot and work closely together. Remember our initial scripture, the power of God and the wisdom of God? We need the knowledge. We need that wisdom before we can actually take off. And that's why we need to study the Word. That's why we come here. This is like a flight instructing school. Here we learn how to fly. So the power of God comes from being filled with the Spirit of God, Acts one eight. And being a doer of the Word, James one twenty two. If we never do the Word, we deceive ourselves. I can say, I read the flight manual, now I know how to fly. Uh-uh. It's one thing to read about something, it's a whole other thing to do it. Amen? So I would deceive myself if I never actually tried to do it and come to realize, oh, wow, I think I need to study some more. Amen? So, would-be commercial pilots, they study for years. Commercial means those who fly for the benefit of others and not just privately, right? Of course, private uh, pilots also have to study. But those commercial pilots, in spite of having studied for years, they always have to have a co-pilot. And so do we. We always need to be in tune with listening to obeying the checks of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So now, I don't know, I don't have time. I would like to say that, imagine if you are actually learning to fly a real plane, right? There's a lot. I Today I wanted to cover the law of confession, the law of sin and death, the law of the spirit of life, the law of perseverance, and active pursuit. But I'm not sure if I will have time. So now to study, as I said, it takes years, right? But Galatians 6, 9 says, uh, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall weep if we faint not. There's a reason why that admonition was given for us not to get weary, right? (coughs) Because we may not see what we expect to see as soon as we expect to see it. But already here it says, don't get weary. Keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Don't give in. Amen? Keep on. It's a law. If you meet all the criteria, you will have the lift. You will rise above. So, if but if so, there is a law, and it's called the law of perseverance or active pursuit. Like, for example, in Matthew seven seven and eight, it says, "Ask and you shall be given; seek and you shall find; knock and it shall be opened." But that word, the word ask, seek, knock, it's in the continuous sense that you could say knock, no, ask, and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And if you do that, then it shall be opened unto you. Amen? Amen. So it's a continuing action. So if we are lazy, it will be very challenging to Cooperate with the law of perseverance and active pursuit because the flesh is not going to feel like it. We are going to conclude, oh, is it, what's, what's, I don't see anything happening. It's not worth it. I've been to this flight school day in, day out, and I'm still not flying anything. Amen? That's what we call leaning to our own understanding. But for example, when Jesus talked in Mark 4 about the seed, Initially, the farmer could think, look at that, I planted all these seeds, and I see absolutely nothing. Does that mean there's nothing? No. The seed is busy putting roots down, down, down in the ground. All the activity, everything that's going on is invisible, in the invisible realm. But one day, one fine day, If we keep on keeping on, life will spring forth, and it will become manifest, what we sowed. Our harvest will come in. Amen? So, so the harvest, for example, life. Life is a harvest. But for example, healing. I can speak now, because I I never went to the doctor. I had this rash on my face, and it was really irritating for me. I prayed for it. I did this, I did that. Because, you know, of course, it's like we're yoked with Jesus, so we might have to do in the natural. I'm not saying that it's wrong to go to a doctor. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what was my harvest, right? I'm just giving an example. I personally, I determined to trust the Lord. And whenever I saw that rash in my face, I said, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. Manifest. But it didn't manifest. But I kept on keeping on, and I kept on commanding it. I didn't see it. But then one fine day. But actually, I want to thank Cynthia, because last Sunday, she noticed it, and she said something, I said, please pray for me. And that very week, I got my manifestation. You see how we need each other? This is why we need to be in the body. But whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow, I am sick, I am sick, I am sick, you will reap sickness, sickness, sickness. If you sow, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed, I am healed, I am healed, you will reap healing. Mix it with faith. Mix it with faith, you know. And you will see the harvest. So the harvest can be many things. What do you need? Do you need a job? Your harvest can be a job. What do you need? Do you need finances? Your harvest can be finances. But let not that man be double-minded. You know, once you have asked the Lord, take a stand. And stand on the promises of God. Don't get off and back on. Off and back on. (coughs) Imagine if I was a bottle under a water tap, wanting to get filled. Ah, I don't feel any water coming. I don't feel any water coming. I don't feel... Don't let that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But remember, I did not say it's wrong to go to a doctor. I never said that. I just said that if the Lord leads you to take a certain stand, then you take that stand. Whether you go to the doctor or whether you don't go to the doctor, Is not the question. The question is, did you or did you not hear from God? And if you heard from God, are you obeying what God showed you? He might humble you and tell you, go to the doctor. One of the Kari's instructors, Kari's Andrew Womack's Bible College, he's been teaching for years, and one of the things he's been teaching year in, year out is healing got sick with cancer, God told him, go to the doctor, follow the doctor's instruction. He had been given less than a week to live, but you know he did, and now something that should have killed him, he overcame, and he's back teaching in full health. The thing is not whether he went to the doctor or didn't go to the doctor. The thing is, did he or did he not hear from God? And once he heard from God, Did he or did he not obey the voice of God? The question is not about us flying alone. We're not going to fly alone. We have a co-pilot. Do we or do we not listen to that co-pilot? Do we or do we not obey the instructions of that co-pilot so that we can rise above? We can reap our desire. Our desire is to be able to rise above our circumstances, to be happy, fulfilled in spite of. You know, with the COVID-19, it hit so hard, many people lost loved ones, many people lost their jobs, they lost their finances, they lost the ability to put food on the table. What happened with Philip and I, our ministry, we do not get pension from abroad. We do not get any income other than what the Lord himself gives us. Our ministry grew. Why? Because we were in tune with him. We were listening to him. I'm not saying we always get it right. We missed the mark. We are not perfect. But our ministry increased. Why? Because we lived and had already in advance decided to live in the supernatural. And whether you have a job or don't have a job is not the question. The question is, have you chosen to live according to the natural or according to the supernatural? And your harvest that comes in will be accordingly. If with COVID-19, Philip and I had lived in the natural, we might not even be here now. We might. But rather than that, the Lord took us, helped us rise above to where we were better off after it all than we were in the beginning. That is the supernatural living. That is what the Lord wants for each and every one of us. And that was our harvest, an example of our harvest. Amen. But where do you put your faith? The world is sinking sand. Remember the story in Matthew? One man built on sand. What happened when the storm came? His house fell. It was destroyed. Another built on a rock. He had to drill deep. It was hard work. He didn't have time to go around and do this and that as he might have done. He was steadfast and working hard, drilling. What happened when the storm came? His house stood. His house did not fall. It stood. And most likely, it gave shelter to others whose houses fell. Amen? Amen. So, but I just want to say one of the keys to our success is if we will focus on our relationship with Jesus. Focus on the root, not the fruit. If we are chasing the fruit, it's very easy. We will get weary and well doing, and we'll give in and give up. Throw in the towel. But if we are focusing on our relationship with Jesus, just fall in love with Jesus, get to know him. The Apostle Paul, after serving the Lord, establishing church upon church, he said, oh, that I might know him. And I would like to say amen to that. I feel the more I learn, the less I realize that I know. Amen. He is so deep, so vast. But fall in love with Jesus, because if you're chasing the fruit, you'll get weary, because you're not seeing that fruit, so what is worth? But if you fall in love with Jesus, there's nothing that can replace him. This is where you want to be, and he is enough. You don't need them all. You don't need money to go and all that for entertainment and satisfaction. He is your satisfaction. I'm not saying you don't need money for living, but try to understand what I am saying that he should be enough. Amen? You chase him, and you will have... Now, I have, of course, I was going to talk about the power of God, but I think I have no time to talk about the power of God. But let me just tell you this. The power of God is real. And his plan, he knows all the plans he has for you. They're all plans for good. They are plans for you to get in that plane, take a hold of the controls, and rise above. Amen? Amen. Amen. You are made for greatness. Overcoming. That's your... You know, one last comment. Some people say, oh, well, I don't know, well, let's wait and see. No, 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 no. You decide what's going to be. You speak. I shall. You know, this is a testimony of a man who had uh, he had no job, and he said, "Oh, today I'm gonna go out and try to get a job, right?" right. And on his way, he met a preacher, and the preacher started talking. Da, 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 da. After the preacher was done talking to him, he went, "Today I am going out to get a job, Amen. To get it. So I'm gonna go and try. I am gonna go and get it. Amen. Let me go get it. Amen."